This is the proper take for season one, episode one of John Delafleur. Camera rolling, sound, speed, and action. Now, Joan de la Fleur, the podcast experience. With your host and special guest, Joan de la Fleur! Why, hello, audience. It is I, Joan de la Fleur, and it is so wonderful to be back with all of you again. Now, I cannot believe I am about to say what I am about to say, but in fact, I am about to say. Who am I and why a podcast? Well, now, darlings, of course you know who I am. I'm sure of it. I spent my entire life and career, which really were one and the same, ensuring that you would not forget who I am. And yet here, in the afterlife, I have heard talk of Bertie and Marilyn Monroe and Catherine Hepburn and the other Joan and the other, other Joan. And years later, talk of Jennifer, and Jennifer, and Jennifer, oh, and Jennifer, and Jen, so many Jennifers, and of course, other Kates, Kate, and Kate, and Kate, but yet no talk of the one and only Joan Della Fleur, me, a goddamn star. It hurts, darlings, it really does. It cuts to the quick. Your ignorance of my stardom is like a knife to my bone marrow. Only I'm a googler. I'm a googler. You know, I really don't like the G word to describe my current status. It's really rather pedestrian, wouldn't you say? I feel a better word for what I really am is a phantasma. Don't you think that suits me better, darlings? I think it does. So, yes, I may be a phantasma, but I am also a movie star. And really, darlings, what is a movie star? What is a film actor but the essence of one's former being, of what once was moving across your screen? Or in today's world, a series of zeros and ones configured and reconfigured to portray the, the memory of the former being of a version of a person. Well, as you can see, there's really no difference between that and myself. Yes, I have discovered that I am able to will enough plasma of what once was my former being into sound waves, acoustic forms, and light waves to reverberate in such a fashion that I can be caught on recording devices conveniently set up here in the studio of the home I haunt. So, I may no longer be among the living, but in fact I am still a star. I am still and I am doing this podcast, darlings, to reconnect with you, my wonderful fans, 
all that I love, and you who love me, and we shall be reminded of my acting. Enough science, it's so bothersome. Let's have some fun now, shall we? Let's talk more about me. start with something rather important that happened to me once, once while I was living. I thought perhaps we could start by talking about my death. First of all, to be clear, to remind you, I was, for a breath, Hollywood's it girl. And then I became a serious actress. And then I became so serious, well, I was really rather a caricature of myself. And just as I was about to stage one of Hollywood's greatest comeback stories. Well, I suffered a not entirely premature nor unpredictable death. Now, death, death. My experience of death was really rather insignificant. To be honest, I'd had heartburn all day, which really wasn't unusual given my usual diet of a, a ice cold martini for breakfast, grapefruit and cottage cheese for lunch, a cup of coffee, another martini. Sometimes I would have boiled chicken for dinner. Sometimes I would just skip right to the three olive martini. And on Sundays, of course, spaghetti and meatballs followed by a session of purging, which was the norm for stars of my day. Well, death did not come for me on a Sunday. No, I remember that I was picking the little bugger seeds out of my grapefruit because my maid hadn't shown up that day and therefore it must have been a Saturday. I think that was a day off. Suddenly I became hyper aware of all life happening around me, of, of sounds far off in the distance, traffic and then music and a sense of extra quality of light, the dust floating and the ray of sunshine coming down as I sat next to the pool. And then there was, well, darlings, there was just nothing. I don't know how to describe the nothingness other than to say it was just simply there was nothing. Not even me, not even myself. I don't even know how to explain to you that suddenly I, I just didn't exist until I found myself walking down a long corridor. Walking down a long corridor, and at one end, there was a miraculous light. There was light in the sound of my mother's voice, and she was calling my name. Mara! Oh, Mara! But here, behind me, at this other end, there was a door slightly ajar, and I could hear inside. A first A.D. calling back to one. Well, I knew what that meant. I was a movie star. I had to get back to one. So I began to stop listening to the voice of my mother at the other end of the hallway. And I started walking quickly and ever so quickly and faster and faster back to that door where I could hear them saying, back to one, back to one, Joan, back to one. Joan was my name, not Myra, I recalled. And as I opened the door, suddenly I found myself not at a sound stage not back to one, but swirling through lights and all sorts of colors. And it's just swirling as if I were in a tornado vortex. And it was really rather more orgasmic, if you do get my drift. And then suddenly I was plop, 
right next to the pool where I had last been. Only it wasn't where I had last been. It was the pool of my house, to be sure. But my martini was nowhere to be found. What was to be found was this brutish man and the idiot woman who was his agent wife that I later learned had bought my home because I had died. I was dead. Well, it took some time to piece that together. You would think you would get more notice that you were dead than having to look at the decor choices made by the people who bought your house because you had passed away. And I had to spend time talking at these idiots, these dolts, this actor who didn't even read his own scripts. And he had his agent come on set to feed him his lines and his personal trainer to come fluff his abdomen. If you catch my drift, darlings, and I'm sure you do. Well, eventually I had to leave that home, my beloved home of so many years. I'll tell you, I just couldn't stand the sound of that blender making smoothie after smoothie after smoothie. <laughs> How I longed for the gentle rustle of a shaker, the sound of ice gently melting, a stirring stick making those cubes intermingle with the gin or the vodka. I won't be snobby, let me tell you. Or the gentle of a jar of olives in the way a beautiful toothpick just slices through its soft flesh. What I wouldn't give for an ice-cold martini, darlings, what I wouldn't give. Anyhow, the story of how I came to this house where I now dwell is certainly yet another story for another time, but for now, let's move on, my darlings. Let's move on. Moving right along. Darlings, when I was thinking about what I would want to talk about on a podcast, which I understand is your most popular form of entertainment in the modern times, I thought you might like to know what it's like to be a girl. I thought you might like to know what it's like to be a phantasma. And so, feeling rather the authority on both what it's like to be a living human and a non-living human having been both, I created a list. Now, it's true that my time after life has been five decades already, darlings, even more. Whereas my time on Earth as a living member of humanity was three, or perhaps four, or, well, really, depending on who's asking and what you're offering, five, six, or even seven decades. <laughs> Are you giving me a Lifetime Achievement Award? Well, then pick whichever decade suits you well. But if you're a young film producer or up-and-coming director or Francis Ford Coppola looking for your next leading lady, just know, darlings, that through the power of plasma and will, I can be whatever age you prefer me to be. I am the perfect age for your wild desert epic or your next western show or perhaps even a beautiful family drama. Anyhow, darlings, all sweet things to consider about comparing and contrasting. Alive? Not alive. First of all, let's talk about control. When you are alive, darlings, you think of control as something real, something you can have. 
something you can possess if you're only smart enough or powerful enough or have the most money or the biggest guns or, you know, whatever that is for you. But let me tell you, as a member of the non-living among humanity, I can assure you control is a farce. It's a joke, darlings. It's a joke. It doesn't exist. Not really. Trust me. I have tried tried to have control over my situation and about the best I can do is a podcast. <laughs> Darlings, a podcast. Secondly, something else. Let's talk about food, for example. Now, as a human who is living, food is uh, complicated. It can be wonderful. It can be delicious. Of course, as a movie star, and therefore, as a woman of a certain age, who is considered by Hollywood and her fans to be their possession, food is something to be feared, something to be avoided. Very confusing indeed. So, in my time, one did not eat food. But let me tell you, the hunger that gnaws in your belly even as a member of the non-living, you certainly have that strange sense memory. Now, maybe that's simply because I was such a fabulous actress when I was alive. And darlings, my, my sense memory work was really ahead of its time because I was a movie star during the golden age of Hollywood, darlings. The golden age. The golden age when we still had faces, as, as my friend Gloria might have said. Simply the desire upon smelling the aroma of something wonderful coming out of the oven, the salivation at the corners of your lips, darling. Let me tell you, I don't know that that goes away. You may not have corporeal material, but you still have the sense of wanting to eat something, and you realize, once you are dead, that you should have had that damn cupcake while you had the chance. Let me tell you, we are all screwed up as a, as a sort of society around food and its value. And I'm just going to tell you, eat the cookie. Eat the cookie. Enjoy it. Enjoy your cookie. And tell me what it's like, darlings. You can email me. I do have an email address. Joan at, oh, sorry. It's actually Joan de la Fleur at yahoo.com. And tell me, how did the cookie taste, darling? How did the cookie taste? Inquiring minds want to know. Inquiring minds want to know indeed. You know, after life, I sometimes fantasize that I was eating something delicious, like a hot dog or baked Alaska or cheesecake. But then I would forget or the wires would get crossed somehow and I would have the experience of the taste of kerosene and raw beef. As my former agent, Shlemmy Leventhal, would say, Bleh. What else? Oh, yes. Darlings, lean in and come closer for this one. My sweets, as a member of a living, you are blissfully unaware of all the various energies streaming around your person at all times. Oh, yes. You may have learned how to turn on the radio and dial that little knob to tune into a certain frequency. Or you may have learned how to command light waves in order to create a film or, of course, a podcast that you're going to put on the YouTube. But as a member of the non-living, afterlife, I've seen things, darlings. 
I have experienced things, seen things I cannot forget, seen energies, entities I'd rather wished I hadn't. I have fallen down portals of non-existence I barely escaped from, and I have witnessed the horror that can accompany the afterlife, and I... You think you know what I am talking about, but I can assure you, unless you too are a member of a non-living coming to me and listening from your heart to afterlife, you don't know, darling, you don't. I pray you never will. Well, you know, I didn't intend to do anything too frightening or too haunting on this particular first episode of the podcast, so darlings, let us move on and finish with something fun and sexy. Are you ready for something a little more spicy? Well, then, here's a dish for you. Let's talk about sex. So, spoiler alert, for those of you who are very sensitive about sex, I'm going to be talking about my favorite Hollywood lay. (laughs) I have understood from living in a house full of young people that actually these days, people are having far less sex. Now, is this true for everyone or is it just the adults that live in this house that I haunt, the idiots that I have to deal with day after day and night after night? They don't really have sex. They just look at their little screens and make a sort of bunch of squirmy faces. It's not beautiful. and They seem to barely get any pleasure, let alone a gentle dowsing of sweat across their forehead from a sort of afternoon of pleasure, such as we experienced in my time. Well, darlings, I guess to each their own, but it seems a pity. It seems a pity to have machines to do so much work for you, to take so much of the heavy labor off your hands so you have Much more time for pleasure, and yet you don't engage in it, darlings. Now, I do understand the avoidance of sex from a point of view of trauma, and I would like to tell you, as a member of Hollywood's greatest generation, the golden era, I don't even want to begin to get into what we had to do to secure our jobs, especially if your father didn't own a studio. I do understand not much has changed in terms of having a father who owns a studio gives you a leg up as a performer. But I understand that there's been something called Me Too, not to be confused with a band, You Too. It all gets a little confusing from time to time, but You Too seems to be a former generation, and Me Too seems to be this generation, and R2D2 seems to be all of the generations. Anyhow, I will tell you as a 117-year-old woman, I understand the power of denial. And I understand the years of therapy one must go through or just utilize denial to get over whatever you have to get over to do your job. And let me tell you, if you think sexual harassment ends after death, I can assure you it does not. I have been walking down the corridor and I've run into 300-year-olds and 400-year-olds, conquistadores and monks, oh, telling me they were here when all the fun started and they were the foundation of the missions. And then they pull out their willies, unannounced and uninvited, I assure you. Phantom male aberrati, what a joke. It's not funny. Well... You know, darlings, everyone wants to believe that the best sex is with a sex symbol. After all, it's a sex symbol. It's who those who've been married for decades close their eyes and picture themselves with, I imagine. 
but I can tell you, having been a sex symbol and having been with multiple sex symbols of multiple sexes, in fact, usually those sessions are a good time to compare notes on facialists and uh, plastic surgeons and the latest diets, the latest technologies, agents. You know, if you're looking for a new agent, it's a good way to get a referral. What can I say? Shockingly, speaking of agents, sometimes the best of sex has been with one's agent, usually a former agent, trying to get back into your good graces. When you're trying to get them, they have a good time. When they're trying to get you, you have a good time. Oh, some of the best sex of my life was when I was just about to leave an agent and they suddenly knew it and wanted to do something, anything to stop me from going. Those were good times, indeed. Here's one potential truth for you, darlings. I do owe my former agent Schlemmy Leventhal a favor, so let me tell you. He was special. I'll admit to you all, he was pretty damn good in the sack. Oh, he loved to do impersonations of whoever was the flavor of the day, the marquee idol of the day. And then afterwards he would ask if he had done well, if he was any good. And I always answered, well, I generally answered honestly, and I said he was better. And I usually meant it. So there, Schlemiel. Now I've repaid your favor and you can go to light and I won't be following you, not yet. Not while I have a podcast to do. Well, darlings, we've come to the end of the very first episode of Joan de la Flava podcast experience. And I'm so happy to say I'm sure you've enjoyed it. In future episodes, I shall give great performances and I shall offer love advice and advice on acting and movies and tell you more about my life and if you so please more about my afterlife also feel free to write to me at joandelafleur at yahoo.com and perhaps i very well may read your letter on the air if it is a letter of criticism i shall indeed offer a critique back of your letter so make sure you know what you're talking about and that you are good at what you're doing and not some idiot dolt just trying to get attention if it's a letter of love or fandom just don't send any unwanted pictures you understand i don't need any repeats of those conquistadores i mentioned also if you'd like to send scripts or direct offers for leading lady roles I'm all ears. I no longer have an agent, so I, I shall certainly have to do the negotiations myself, unless, of course, you are an agent making an offer. As I'm recording this, I understand there's a writer's strike that has just begun, so perhaps you would prefer to do something with a ghost. I'm very interested in understanding how I can help bring about change for the Positive, and I can't believe I'm saying that, darlings. Trust me, I can't. I'd really just like to bring about positive changes for myself. But 117 years on the planet, one does seem to learn a few things now and then. And these are the things I should like to impart with you, upon you, for you, to you, at you, and in your favor. All this and more in future episodes of Joan Delaflair, the podcast. Oh, this is still going. This is Gabriel Manro, and you've been listening to Joan de la Fleur, the podcast experience. 
Copyright 1942, Joan de la Fleur.